from the rule of our Holy Father Saint Benedict in the prologue continued. Thanks also the Lord saith in the Gospel, He that heareth these words of mine and doeth them is like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. Floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, because it was founded upon a rock. And the Lord, in fulfillment of these words, is waiting daily for us to respond by our deeds to his holy admonitions. Therefore are the days of our life lengthened for the amendment of our evil ways. As saith the Apostle, Knowest thou not that the patience of God is leading thee to repentance? For the merciful Lord saith, I will not the death of the sinner, but that he should be converted and live. But thou Lord have mercy upon us. Note well St. Benedict's <coughs> constant reference to the Lord who speaks to us in the Gospel. I return to what I said yesterday. The monk finds his daily fare in the Psalms, the Gospels, and the Apostle. The Psalms point to the Gospel and illumine the Gospel. And the Gospels, in turn, illumine the Psalms from within so that the monk begins to discover on every page of the Psalter the face of Christ and begins to hear in every verse of the Psalter the voice of Christ. As for St. Paul, he is incandescent with the fire of which Jesus speaks in the Gospel. I am come to cast fire on the earth and what will I but that it be kindled? Origen quotes a mysterious saying of our Lord, not found in the Gospels, but Origen quotes it nonetheless in his commentary on Jeremiah. But the Savior himself said, He who is near me is near the fire. He who is far from me is far from the kingdom. There is a particular grace attached to the epistles of St. Paul. We see this grace displayed in some way in the life of the Blessed Columbus Army. He is shaped by his long meditation of the Apostle. We see it also in another modern figure of holiness, not Benedict in this one, Carmelite Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity, who also had a particular fascination, I want to say, with the 
epistles of St. Paul and made them her daily fare. But even uh, going back to the Fathers, we know that St. John Chrysostom claimed uh, a particular relationship with St. Paul. My Paul, he used to say. My Paul. So there is a grace attached uh, to the Apostles' writings, a communication of fire to the soul that hears them, repeats them, and prays them. But returning to what St. Benedict says about the Gospel, the Gospel is not mere text. The monk who approaches, who opens his Bible and approaches the Gospel as mere text will find mere text. The Gospel is not mere text. Our Lord Himself tells us, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. When a monk hears the liturgic Gospel, when he reads it for himself in Lexio Divina, when he repeats it and turns it to prayer, finds himself saying with St. Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have known that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. It's almost as if the monk is compelled to say, uh, even though he be surrounded by 10,000 other volumes, he opens the book of the Gospels, and he says, Lord, to what other book shall I go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. So the monk has a um, preferential love, a predilection for the Gospels. <clears throat> and I send you back again to the episodes in the life of St. Anthony by St. Athanasius, which uh, <coughs> illustrate the, uh, I suppose one might use the Greek word for energy, uh, the particular grace, divine grace, um, attached to the hearing of the liturgic gospel. St. Athanasius relates concerning Antony, he entered the church. Now the church uh, here means the only place in which the gospel finds its complete residence. One can only hear the gospel rightly in Medio Ecclesiae. That's why Antony had to go into the church to hear the gospel. This, this flies in the face of um, the Protestant thesis for, for concerning the, the reading of sacred scripture. No, uh, for, the, for the Catholic, uh, the fullest resonance of the Word of God is achieved when that Word is proclaimed in Medio Ecclesiae. That's why Antony entered into the Church. And it happened that the Gospel was being read, and he heard the Lord saying to the rich man, It's interesting to say that he does not say, and he heard the voice of the deacon. No. 
And he heard the Lord saying to the rich man, If you would be perfect, go sell that you have, and give to the poor, and come follow me, and you shall have treasure in heaven. And to me, as though God had put him in mind of the saints, and the passage had been read on his account. This is what I call again the liturgical providence of God. Went out immediately from the church. He entered as the gospel was being read, and he left before the end of uh, the sacred liturgy. Uh, I find that interesting, the father of monks. Because he received that word, and, and immediately he had to carry it out. Uh, and Saint uh, Athanasius says in another passage that Antony had such a capacity for hearing, for receiving the word, although he was illiterate, that it's almost as if he, he didn't let a single syllable fall to the ground. He caught every syllable of the word of God. It was the quality St. Anthony's listening. <clears throat> and again, as he went into the church, hearing the Lord say in the gospel, be not anxious for the morrow, he could stay no longer, but went out and gave those things also to the poor. St. Athanasius is telling us that St. Anthony's vocation was, in effect, a fruit of his hearing the liturgic gospel. It is clear, moreover, that the genesis of all monastic life in East and West lies in the hearing of the liturgic gospel. I emphasize the liturgic gospel because, as I said, it is proclaimed in Medio Ecclesiae, that is, in the full assembly of the saints, in the context of holy tradition, only in the church does the gospel achieve its full resonance. The particular saying of our Lord, to which St. Benedict draws our attention today, is, He that heareth these words of mine, and doeth them, so we have the example of Anthony, who hears and immediately goes out to do what he has heard. Our Lord says, It's like a wise man who built his house upon a rock, Floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, because it was founded upon a rock. Uh, the rock being uh, obedience to the word of God. A man builds his house upon a rock when he allows the hearing of the words of Christ to change him. Again, I go back to that marvelous definition of monastic obedience given by St. John Paul II in Orientale Lumen. He says monastic obedience is the listening that changes life. When uh, a monk allows the hearing of the words of Christ to change him, when he hears them without resistance, without shielding himself from their full effect. We sometimes approach the word of God holding up a shield in front of ourselves, almost defying our Lord to uh, strike us with the fiery dart of his love. So we even go into prayer that way sometimes. We say, well, I'm going to pray, but then we go in and we hold up a shield. And 
we, we try to dodge fiery darts of divine love. So you have to drop the shield and take off the armor when you approach the word of God. Um, I, I have often referred to this passage of St. Bernard in his sermons on the canticle, in, in which he describes the effect of being visited by the word. And when I, when I said that the Gospels are not mere text. The Gospels have a sacramental quality by which the soul hears uh, the Gospel uh, is visited by the Word. This was the experience of St. Bernard. He says, I admit that the Word has also come to me. I speak as a fool. And has come many times. But although he has come to me, I have never been conscious of the moment of his coming. I perceived his presence. I remembered afterwards that he had been with me. Sometimes I had a presentiment that he would come, but I was never conscious of his coming or his going. So he's describing this, this inner experience of um, uh, being, being visited mysteriously by the word, and it corresponds to the uh, manifestations of our Lord after the resurrection. You note that. That, uh, he, he's there in the upper room. Uh, they were, uh, the apostles were barricaded behind locked doors, and our Lord is there. So, what St. Bernard describes is akin to the appearances of the risen Christ related in the Gospel. And where he comes from when he visits my soul and where he goes, and by what means he enters and goes out, I admit that I do not know even now. You see the, the connection with the manifestations of our Lord after the resurrection. As John says, you do not know where he comes from or where he goes. There is nothing strange in this, for of him was it said, your footsteps will not be known. Of course, it's here. Quoted the psalm. Um, I, I don't read the whole text. You can read it for yourself in the sermons on the canticle. But St. Bernard says, You asked then how I knew he was present when his ways can in no way be traced. He is life and power. And as soon as he enters in, he awakens my slumbering soul. Here are the effects of being visited, or if you will, struck by the word. He awakens my slumbering soul. He stirs and soothes and pierces my heart. For before it was hard as stone and diseased. So he has begun to pluck out and destroy. You know the passage uh, that we uh, sing so often in the Christmas liturgy about the word of God descending as a mighty warrior in, in, the, in the middle of the night when all was silent. St. Bernard says that when our Lord visits a soul, he comes in to destroy. To destroy, to build up and to plant, to water dry places, and illuminate dark ones. It sounds exactly like the kind of work that Brother John Baptist organizes. 
to pluck out and destroy, to build up and to plant, to water dry places and illuminate dark ones. There you have it. <clears throat> to open what was closed and to warm what was cold, to make the crooked straight and the rough places smooth, so that my soul may bless the Lord and all that is within me, praise his holy name. So when the bridegroom, the word, came to me, he never made known his coming by any signs, not by sight, not by sound, not by touch. There's a little bit of the experience of the prophet Elias uh, when uh, there was the fire wind and the earthquake, and then the whisper of the gentle breeze. Uh, it was not by any movement of his that I recognized his coming. It was not by any of my senses that I perceived he had penetrated to the depths of my being. Only by the movement of my heart, as I have told you, did I perceive his presence, and I knew the power of his might, because this is the this is the uh, St. Bernard's uh, criteria uh, for determining, determining whether one has been visited by the bird. My faults were put to flight, and my human yearnings brought into subjection. I have marveled at the depth of his wisdom when my secret faults have been revealed and made visible. At the very slightest amendment of my way of life, I have experienced his goodness and mercy. At the very slightest amendment of my way of life, the effect, the effect of grace. And I, I find it wonderfully comforting that St. Bernard does not speak of sudden and uh, monumental transformations, but he speaks of the slightest amendment of my way of life. So that uh, the man who looks for instantaneous and great results, and if he doesn't get them, becomes dejected and disappointed. That man is, is mistaken because our Lord eventually works, uh, as Saint Saint Bernard says, by bringing about the almost imperceptible change in one's manner of life, little by little, one step at a time. I could say more about this text of Saint Bernard, but I have to leave it at that.